0: Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for giving us the opportunity this evening to once again assemble at his feet to hear what he has for us. It's so heartwarming that we can gather again in this house in the midst of covid. You know, notwithstanding everything, the Lord is still on his throne and we are grateful to him for the opportunity to meet and to share fellowship. This evening, the topic given us to um, ponder on is why am I here on earth? Why am I here on earth? And I think it is a very pertinent topic for each and every one of us, because if we know why we are here on earth, it guides us in what we do. Maybe quite a number of us have not asked ourselves that question, but I think it is a question worth asking. So I think this is something that is worth um, looking at, whether you have thought of it or not, whether it is something that you have considered or not, I believe that each and every one of us has something that drives us, okay so we could ask ourselves that question, so what is it that drives us? what is it that motivates us what it what is it that makes us you know get up every morning, go come, and um, you know, want to succeed. For some, it is so that they can have money. Money is good. And the Bible says, money answereth all. For some, it may be that they like power. You are the president when you speak. Nobody, you know, can challenge you. So, or when you are a boss in the office, you call the shots. And that is something that, you know, they find so attractive. So, when they join a company, they want to work hard to get to the top. <coughs> because that is where all the goodies are. For some, it is control. Maybe when you were young, <coughs> your father used to lash you. And you used to think, me too." when I become a father. Then you too, I'll have the power. And I'll be able to control all other people. So, for some, it may be fear. Fear of the unknown. Maybe, as a young man, again, you saw stark poverty. You saw how it did not end well with your father or your mother. So you have vowed, as for me, poverty I will do everything in my power to make sure that me and poverty, we are far apart. It may be that fear that is driving you. Whatever it is, there is something that drives you. And I believe that all these things that I have talked about are good. It is good to have a good life. It is good to have money. It's good to be able to do big things. It's good to be at the top, so that when you talk, you know. But Solomon, the greatest, wealthiest king ever to live, at the end of it all, had this to say. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. That is found in Ecclesiastes one. Verse two. So, after Solomon had sampled all the power, all the wealth, all the women, all the beautiful things that, you know, money and power could assemble, he came to the end of life and he said, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. The story is also told of Alexander the Great, this great king who went about conquering all that he could set his eyes upon. After he had conquered all, we told that one day, one day after one of his battles, whilst he was going home, he was taken ill. And he realized that this uh, illness was on to death. And therefore, he called his generals before he died and told them his three last wishes. So, his generals were all very anxious about the three last wishes that this great leader of theirs had for them. And he said, When I die, I want my coffin to be carried by My great physicians, the doctors that I have on this, the good doctors that I have assembled for myself, I want them to be the ones who will carry my coffin or my casket to the grave. His second wish was that as they carried him to the graveyard, they should throw all the pearls, the gold, the diamond, the silver that he had in his treasury, the path to his graveyard should be strewn with all these things. And the last of his wishes was that they should not, as is usually done, put him in a coffin and cover him, but they should open the coffin and have his hand one to the left and one to the right, just showing. All the generals were astonished at this. So one who was very close to him, you know, bowed before him, picked up his hand and put it in his bosom and said, so great leader, what reason do you have for this? And he said, I have come to realize in this world that all the physicians and all their medicine cannot save life. So, life is the most precious thing that one has on earth, and it is something that one should guard jealously. That is the reason why he wants the physicians to carry him, to show that all their medicine could not save him. He wanted the gold and the silver and the diamond to also be thrown on the path, to show that all the gold, all the wealth, and all the riches that he amassed, he wouldn't take even one to the other side of the world. All would be left on earth. And then the third, with his hand sticking out of the coffin, one to the left and one to the right, would also show that he brought nothing into this world and he would leave this world with nothing in his hand. I think that we can take great lessons from what Solomon said to us and what Alexander also said to us in his last wishes. So it comes back to our question. What is life about? Why am I here on this earth? And I want us to take, I want to take us to the beginning of scripture. I like starting from the beginning. So let's go to... Genesis chapter 1. And I will read from verse 26. Then God said, you can use the New Living Translation. That's the version that I like. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth. And the small animals. That's carry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that carry along the ground. Then God said, Look! I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green, green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that carry along the ground, and everything that has life. And that is what happened. Praise the Lord. So, why do I take us back to Genesis? I think there are a few things that we can learn from this passage, and that forms the basis of my submission uh, this evening. So we learn that God, in, in verse 1, we are told that God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face the earth and the spirit of the lord hovered upon the darkness so we come back to 26 and then god said let us make man in our own image so we established something that god created the heavens and the earth that is not something that came by itself it is the creation of god we also established that because God created the heavens and the earth, God pre-existed the creation of the heaven and the earth. In other words, God could not have been part of the creation because he created the heavens and the earth. So God pre-existed the creation of heaven and earth. We then also establish from these verses that God created man in his image to be like him. He said, let us make man in our own image. So God created man in his own image to be like him. We learn again that God blessed man to be fruitful and fill the earth. God blessed man to be fruitful and fill the earth. And then the final thing that we learn from these is that God gave man charge to have dominion over the earth And all that there is in it. So, there are five things that we learn up here. And I am interested in the fact that God created man. And God created man in his image. And God blessed man. And God said, be fruitful and multiply. And he gave him charge or dominion over everything that God has created. So, Again, we go back to our question, why am I on this earth? Why am I on this earth? And maybe we can respond simply by saying that I'm on this earth because God created me and placed me on this earth. And that's a good answer. So, God created us in his image and he placed us on this earth. And that is why we are on this earth. I am a Ghanaian. My father and my mother were Ghanaians. I was born in Ghana by Ghanaian parentage. So it makes me a Ghanaian. I am from Latte. Because my parents, my father and my mother, were from Latte. And therefore that makes me, what, a Latarian. So you are an Ashanti. Because you are of Ashanti parentage. Or a kusasi, because you are of kusasi parentage. And this is very important, because God created us, and he created us in his image. So we can only trace our legitimacy if we go back to the creator who created us in his image. That leads us to the next question. Is there a reason why God created us? So we know that God created us. And we are on this earth because God created us. Is there a reason why God created us? And I think we can also see that reason in that. That God created us and gave us dominion over everything that he had created. He created us in his image and he gave us dominion over everything that he had created. So because God created us in His image and because He gave us dominion over all the things on this earth, we cannot, that's my first major submission to you this evening, that we cannot have fulfillment in this life unless we go back to God who created us and gave us and blessed us and gave us this charge to have dominion over everything that He has created. Ephesians one, reading from verses eleven and twelve, and this I'll take it from the message uh, Bible, it says it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we and what we are living for. And he goes on to say that long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designed us, had designed on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. So we see the importance of, you know, the God factor in, in the creation. It is only in God, it is only in Christ that we can have meaning for our existence. Rick Warren, uh, Stated in his book, What on Earth Am I Here For? And this is what he said. He said, it is only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. He said, every other path leads to a dead end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. Every other path leads to a dead end. We all know that every inventor of um, a machine or uh, an item would also create with it the manual. The manual is the book that when you, you follow it, you know how you know, to assemble the thing and how to operate it. And God in creating man did not leave us wondering as to how he wants us to behave or how we are to live our life here on earth. But he also gave us the manual. And God's manual is the Bible that, you know, he gave us from revelation from 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 genesis to revelation everything therein talks to us about how god wants us to relate uh, with him and everything from genesis to revelation is also centered on christ the means by which we can get reconciled to god so in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 god issues his commands to the Israelites and this is what he said. Hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the first thing that God says to us concerning his commandments. He Hear O Israel The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I'm taking this from the New King James Version. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So, God created us. And outside him, we cannot have meaning to ourselves. I want to submit to us this evening five things that I want us to ponder over uh, once we know that we can only find meaning to life here through the Bible, the manual that God has given us. The first submission is that God created us to have a relationship with him and to love him with all our hearts. And with all our soul. And with all our strength. I have already established in Genesis. That God created man in his own image. And he created him for a purpose. And he created him and gave him dominion over all these things. But in Deuteronomy. We see how God wants us to relate to him. And he says that we should have him. As the object of our love. We should love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. Jesus confirmed this in Matthew 22:37 and 38. When he said in response to a question as to which is the greatest commandment. And Jesus said, and I quote, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your mind, this is the first and great commandment. That is Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. So that's our first duty, that we should love the Lord our God. But we know that in the creation story, soon after God created man and gave him such great responsibility and entrusted this beautiful creation of his called the earth to man, man gave up that responsibility by selling out to the devil. But God in his love did not leave man to wallow, but sent his only begotten son to come and die on the cross for us. So, through Jesus' coming on earth, we get restored back to this relationship that God had intended for us. So we read from John 1.12, which is a very key verse that I love so much. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believed in his name. Man messed up. Man gave up that dominion, that trusteeship that God gave him. But God, in his infinite love, sent a second Adam to the fight. He sent Jesus to the rescue. But just as God wouldn't force Adam and Eve in their obedience, God also leaves it to us to either accept this free gift through Christ or to reject him. So he says, as many as received him, to them who believed in his name, he gave them the power to become children of God. If we should accept Jesus as the propitiation, if we we should accept Jesus as the second man, if we should accept Jesus as the bridge to restore us back, our relationship with the Father, then this relationship that we gave up through our sin, through the sin of our fathers, Adam and and Eve, we will be once again restored in this relationship of love with the Father. Hallelujah. Having this loving relationship with the Father also means that we will live in obedience to his will. We will live in obedience to his will. Loving the Lord means knowing Jesus and obeying his will. Jesus said in John uh, chapter 14 verse 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in 23, he also answered and said, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Hallelujah. So, the love that God had for us, this relationship that he had for us, through Christ Jesus again, we can be restored. And it is for you and I to accept or reject. There is no other way by which this restoration, this this relationship which was broken can be restored except through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The second responsibility then is to remember that God created us in His own image. Since God is a God of love and He has created us in His own image, it stands to reason that if we are His children, Then we should exhibit his characteristics, his character of love in everything that we do. God didn't just create the heavens and the air, didn't just create man. In fact, if you look at the creation story from verse 1 up to 26, God created everything to make our existence on this life comfortable for us. He created the sun, he created the moon. He created day. He created night. He created the fishes and everything. And he gave all these things to man. The Hemi says, the king of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his. And he is mine forever. Hallelujah. So, the second responsibility is to remember as I said, that This God who created us is a God of love, and he expects us to walk in love towards other people. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, which comes just after the earlier one that he talked about, the greatest commandment, he said, a second commandment is equally important, and that is love your neighbor as yourself. So, why am I here on earth? I'm supposed to love the Lord, my God. I'm supposed to obey Him in everything that He does. Accepting this free gift of salvation through Christ and having done so, having been restored in my relationship with the Father, I am now supposed to exhibit His characteristics of love in everything that I do. Praise the Lord. The third submission that I'm making this evening is that God entrusted man and God said, let us make man in our own image and let them have dominion over everything that he had created. So, we are... That's God's representatives here on earth and trustees or managers of God's blessing and creation. Why am I here on earth? He said, let us now make man in our own image and let them have dominion. So God created you and I for a purpose that he wants us to be managers. He wants us to be trustees. Of this beautiful edifice, this beautiful creation of His, and how are we supposed to do this? Now, in in First Corinthians four, verses two and seven, we read this, and again from the New Living Translation, it says, "Now a person who is put, who is put in charge as a manager." must be faithful. That is 1 Corinthians four two. And then he goes on in verse 7. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? So God tells us two things. That as managers we are to be trustworthy. As managers, we are to be truthful. As managers, we are to be dedicated to his course. That is the sub one. The sub two is also that indeed everything that we have that we are even taking care of was given us for free. Which of us chose how black, or how dark, or how fair, how tall, how short. Which of us chose that we should be born in Ghana and not America, or not in Russia, or not in Vietnam. So, it cuts out, you know, this issue of white supremacy, American supremacy, and all that. Freely, he received Really give. That is something that we should bear in mind. So we should not be proud. We should not be boastful. We should not be greedy about anything because he expects us to love other people around us. Why am I here on earth? I'm here because he has called me as a manager. And he wants me to do my work dutifully faithfully, not boasting. Any, nothing that God has given me is something that I should call my own, so that when I'm coming, you know that, yes, the man is coming. Men are coming. Boys, give way. Freely received, freely give. The fourth submission I'm making to us this evening is that, as representatives of God, we are ambassadors here on earth. The world as ambassadors, the world will see God. The world will see Christ through the way we behave, through the way we relate to them. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, we read that, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. Hallelujah. This is a very important assignment that we should never lose sight of. That you and I are Christ ambassadors. We are representatives here on earth. I made the submission earlier that by the disobedience of man, man lost out. Man gave up the the governorship that God gave him. Man Lost that relationship that he had with God. God has called you and I. Having accepted Jesus Christ, that we are ambassadors of His on this earth. That through us, by our life, by our preaching, we should be reconciling the lost world back to Himself. And it's very interesting. When I look at the disciples of Jesus, man likes power so much so that in everything, you know, we want to have power. So, after Jesus had died and resurrected, his disciples asked him, So Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? As if Jesus did, he said, Of the times and seasons of the Father, it is not for you to know. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That is the mission that God has given you and I. As to when he's coming, as to how we are going... No, he said, don't concern yourselves with that. I'm going to give you power, and that power that I give you is to enable you to be my witnesses. To be ambassadors of my reconciliation in Accra, in Choko, in uh, Gamashi, uh, in Greater Accra, to the whole of Ghana and the world. This is a charge, this is a duty that our father has given us. And we should, as good ambassadors, be about our father's business. In other words, knowing the seasons and the time of God's coming or the restoration of God is not the thing that we should concern ourselves with. We should be single, fo- we should have a single focus to go out and preach the gospel and make disciples of all. This is the greatest commission, the greatest commandment that our father Has given us. The last submission that I want to make this evening is that yes, God created us and He gave us this charge, and through Jesus Christ, we are restored in that relationship, and He's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Is it just all uh, uh, a just work, 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 work? What is in it for me? Or what is in it for you, if you may ask? No, it is not all work. There are rewards that await us. A good reward awaits us if we should focus on what He has entrusted into our care. A good reward awaits us if we should not lose focus and start be doing and be doing other things not related. To what he has asked us to do. And Jesus told a, a, a good um, a story, a, the parable of uh, the talents. When the Lord of a house was going out and he gave his, tal- uh, his servants, he said he gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. Each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. And when the master came, they then had to go into accounts. And the one who had five came and said, Good Lord, you gave me five. I have added five more. He said, Ah, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, you have been good over little. I will set you over higher things. Enter the joy of your Lord. The one who had two also came. Good master, you gave me two. I went to work and I also got two more. He said, Ah, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in little. I'll set you over more things. Enter the joy of the Lord. Then came the last one. Ha! Ah. Okay. okay. You are no you you are a hard ass master. You reap where you have no sown, and you gather where you have not been. So me, I went and hid your talent in the ground. I said, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Why didn't you just simply put my money with the bankers so that when I come, at least I will get it together with interest? And he said, take the talent from him and give it to the one who had five and throw this unworthy servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why are we here on this earth? We are on this earth to prepare for our life in eternity. It is not just here. As Paul says, if it were only for this life, then we are of all men most miserable. But I submit to you that we are here to prepare for eternity. How we spend our time, how we do the master's business, how we see ourselves and everything. these are There will be results. And when we get before our father, will you hear, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, or will you hear, Thou wicked and slothful servant? I want to submit to all of us here that it is necessary that we always reckon, we are always mindful of the fact that there is a day of accountability and it is ahead of us. How we lead our life here on earth. Will determine how we spend eternity. God created us to be in a relationship with Him. He has given us His rescue plan through Jesus Christ. If we will accept Jesus and accept the plan, our relationship with the Father will be restored once again. God created us in His image. And because he loved us, he wants us to likewise love our fellow human beings and let it show in everything that we do. God made us trustees and managers of his assets here on earth. And he expects us to do it dutifully. He expects us to do it knowing that the day of accountability comes. We are to do it with a sense of humility knowing that there is nothing that we have that we toiled for. It is just His grace and His blessings upon us. God wants to remind us that we are ambassadors of His. That He expects you and I to go out and reconcile the world to Himself. Will we do that? And let us be reminded. Be mindful of of this, that there are rewards awaiting us. Would that each and every one of us would so work so that when the time of accountability comes, we will hear those words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Shall we bow down our heads in prayer? Our Father, we are grateful to you for this evening. Thank you for reminding us of who we are and the charge that you have given us. My prayer is the Lord, each and every one of us will resolve so to work as your ambassadors, as your representatives. The Lord will toil day and night so that when you come, you will say to us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We thank you for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.